TJ, PK, and David Locke joining us. David Locke's weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, David James. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, David. That was a little over the top. <laughs> well, you know, I do a yoga and a meditation every morning before I talk to you guys, so I'm fully prepared for this conversation in the right state of mind. You know, today, I just feel blissful to be able to talk to you. You're going to say hi to PK or you're going to waste all that bliss? No, why would I do that? I was told you I was excited to talk to you. I didn't mention a damn thing about him. <laughs> well, I don't win any awards like the City Weekly that DJ's won like 18 years Did in a row. Did you win again? Great... Yeah, again. He's the best again? freaking reporter. Yeah, again, again, again. Like, is yeah. there any creative? I mean, uh, dynasties are boring. Large market talents and small market seems unfair. You're probably tampering. Jeez, fake elections, all these things, DJ. Yeah, but I got Gordon Hayward dopped out, so I'm going to be okay. Uh, Daddy's not happy in Boston. Clearly. So are you more excited by free might not be happy. He might just not, not be, be happy. happy. Right, yeah. Uh, I think you... he's going to need – I think – I. by the way, if he is still the same person driven by the same things that he was driven by – when I mean, I've talked to him twice, right, since he left, um, maybe once. Um, I think New York's a real play. I think the idea of being the star in New York is will will, will get into New York. I think I think New York is Atlanta winning in Atlanta, which they aren't really doing compared to like the star of New York and the chance to be, you know. That's what drives him. What drives him is his spot in the league, and um, that's my guess. Hmm. I was curious if you're more excited right now by uh, the uh, draft and all, everything that came out of that and all the trades and who the Jazz got, or if you're more fired up about free agency and what's about to happen this weekend. So, I mean, just personally, I like the draft the most – I just think it's really fun, and I like watching the players and trying, like you know, the game of the draft. Um, but it's not lost on me that the three teams that I think had the best draft are the Portland Trailblazers, who traded their pick for Robert Covington, the L.A. Clippers, who got Luke Kennard for Landry Shamit through a three-way deal that involved a pick, and the Dallas Mavericks, who got Josh Richardson for Seth Curry. So I mean I'm not I, I'm not lost on the concept that, um, you know the way you get better is this not not the um, not the draft uh, maybe long term you know you find that important piece but if we're going to become you know I I think at some point we actually have to open our ears and listen to Dennis Lindsay. Justin Zanuck, and David Morway. And when all three of them have said the exact same thing at a different point in a pr- different three different press conferences, that we slip to, they're using 13th, I think is their number. I thought it was 11th, as the defensive-rated team in the league. And we need to fix that. Um, that's what they're here to do this week. And this is the, and clearly, they've told us what the goal is. And, you know, that's, that's what they, that's the plan. Um, so you know what that's how we're going to do it. And the thirteenth, by the way, is the 
uh, NBA stats number. I didn't mean to say that's the wrong number. I just use cleaning the glass a lot, and I think we were 11th. But um, so yeah, so th- that's that's you know that's the mantra, and we're, we weren't like we got a little bit better defensively in the draft if Azubuke can play, um, and if he's ready, I would hope he is at 22 years old and that big. But maybe maybe not. Maybe we go grab somebody who can play the five and the four right now, um, and make sure that that's the case. Um, and and then we've gotten better defensively. If we can slide Boyan to some minutes at the three um, and get big again, then we get better. Can we be still be the best offense in the league that we were? That'll be the question. So do you find any sort of karma in terms of your favorite build bar is mint, brownie, and orange? And then the draft, draft they draft Elijah Lew, uh, Hughes from the orange. Do you see any any karma there? I appreciate you listening to my podcast, though. I'm really honored and flattered. <laughs> well, you do the ad on our station a thousand times over, too. <laughs> oh, I do that, too. Oh, I thought you actually listened to the podcast. I thought maybe, I thought maybe you had decided that, my, that while you probably, in your heart of hearts, mock me slightly for it, um, <laughs> that you thought that considering the fact that I was spending my evenings watching college athletes on old games that took place prior to March... Um, that maybe you would tune in and listen so that there was some value to it, but maybe I guess of not. Of course, I, I, I just do. had a moment. To, I had a moment of like blitz. Like I was really feeling good about myself there. I just want to pump up where I get work. my paycheck from too. So I hey, mean, come on. I'm all for. I, I, I'm I'm a big promoter of 97.5 and 1280. The zone. I'm, I'm all too. for. <laughs> and I hope to be for several years. But we had and Tim, Tim, Le- and Tim, Lacom- and Tim Lacombe's draft coverage was fabulous. It really was. It was second to yours, but uh, it was just spectacular. Um, we had on Beheim, and he just repeated like three or four times that Elijah Hughes can get his own shot. I'm excited about the guy. Well, I mean, so it's it's true. Here are the numbers on it. It's incredible. So Elijah Hughes this year in college. So there's two reasons why he had to get his own shot. One is because Jim Beheim doesn't run anything offensively. Like you could ask him that. Like, but. So, so Elijah Hughes had 144 isolation attempts this year in college. Okay, so like, what does that mean? Well, the next closest of any player that was in the top 50 of the draft class was Grant Riller out of Charleston at 108, and the next closest after that was Kyra Lewis, who's a point guard coming in isolation off switches at 79, and Anthony Edwards at 73. And this kid was at 144. He was two times the third and fourth most uh, guys in the league, and he was pretty good at it. Then you go down to the number that I actually think is most relevant for a player like this because their um, their life's going to change, and that is the unguarded catch and shoot. Like he got very few unguarded catch and shoots because there weren't many offensive players on that team. And he shot 82 percentile. He was in the 82 percentile, 67 percent effective field goal percentage on unguarded catch and shoot opportunities. And then let's go to the next part, which is where the league's going, which is you got to be able to create your own your own look every now and then. He took 120 shots off the bounce last year. With uh, he was in the 72nd percentile while taking the only player that took more than him was that same kid out of Charleston, Grant Riller, who was like 27 years old and better than every player he was playing. And the only other one, the only few others that were similar to him were um, Malachi Flynn, Jaden McDaniels, 
and um, Desmond Bain, and Bain was better than all of them. He shot it. Uh, he shot it really, really well. But that's it. And so he was unique at being able to get his own shot off, and really shot it pretty well too, frankly. Um, so that is his skill at six six and two twenty. And there's a you know the thing I just go back to all the time in this league is you know I know measurements are boring. And it's so much more fun to find the guy who's not the measurements. And it's great to pretend that, like, Larry Bird didn't have athleticism. Hmm. And all the, you know what the truth is, though? Like, go look on the NBA rosters and, like, put a little graph, like, 6'5", six, 6'8", six, and put, like, 2'10", to 230. And there's, like, 80 players. Like, that's what the league is. It's athletes. And this kid's a little bit, a little bit, um ground heavy at times and maybe needs a second foot to jump and his, some of his room finishing isn't great. Um, his transition numbers were super good though, which is kind of open floors tells me, you know, if you know how to use your body um, and, and maybe honestly at 22 in college, you should be able to do that. So like, let's not blow him up too big, but there's, you know, that, that size just matters. And that's the guys who survive in this league. What'd you think of that as a bouquet? Um, you know, again, uh, he's going to play in the league. He's seven feet with a seven, seven wingspan. Um, he's got a 41 inch vertical jump. He's got a 37 standing. Um, that's pretty amazing. Um, it's important for the jazz to be able to play the same style of defense for 48 and frankly, offense for 48 minutes. Um, this was the best guy on the draft who does those things. Um, his offensive range is four feet. His little jump, folks, actually looks okay. Um, you know, guys aren't going to be able to, if everyone starts switching defensively like the Rockets did a few years ago, you know, one, you're going he's going to be able to just roll to the basket and punish somebody. You're going to throw it up to him and he's going to go get it. Um, and he's going to, he's going to punish you for that. Um, you know, how he stays on the floor, his team spread him out will be a challenge. And, um, you know, the free throw shooting has had, that type of free throw shooting has had a negative impact on players in the league at all positions where they alter their game to avoid taking free throws. Um, from conversations that I had yesterday with people that know the Kansas program and that are close to it, that is, does not sound like who Azubuke is, that he would be bothered like that. But we have seen it from DeAndre Jordan, you know, gets rid of a rebound as though it's a hot potato. Lonzo Ball is scared of contact right now because he doesn't want to go to the line. We, we've seen this over time. That poor free throw shooting of that nature um, has had a negative impact on players' um, want to do things that will get them to the line. That would be, you know, let's hope that's not the case. Does this sort of signal that the Jazz aren't interested in a five who can shoot threes, which is sort of somewhat in vogue in the league? I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I think they really, really, truly believed that Azubuke was the best player with the most value in the draft. I I think he was stunningly high on their draft boards compared to where the rest of the league had them. Now, that's, you know, even in one of the draft things I read yesterday, it literally said, like, Azubuke's got to go to the Milwaukee Bucks or the Utah Jazz. Um, so it was definitely a fit to us as well. But I don't think it signals their lack of interest in a shooting five. Um, I think it signaled that they just thought Azabuke was a tremendously good fit for 
who the Jazz are, how they play, and what he matches. Well, I'll tell you, I jumped to that conclusion that they weren't interested in shooting five. And uh, the reason I did is I didn't think they could move Ed Davis. And they gave the Knicks two draft picks and they moved Ed Davis, who by all accounts is a really good guy, but they got him at exactly the time when his athletic ability slipped enough that he couldn't play anymore and he wasn't a serviceable backup and they largely tried not to play him. But now they've got a spot for a third big, so now I'm wondering if they're going to go out and get somebody who can shoot the three and then then Quinn Snyder have the option of, hey, what we're doing is working, so we're going to play as of weekend here and good luck, you don't get a break. Or, hey, we need something a little different, so I'm going to play this guy tonight, whoever this guy turns out to be, and we're going to go five out and shoot threes, and there's not going to be anybody in the paint. So I've asked the question to different people in different manners, but um, I think it's harder than we think to change the way you play in a game, both offensively and defensively. So really the problem with a shooting five might go to the other side. You probably now have to switch one through five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually have talked to enough coaches this summer because I was kind of hunting around on a similar topic. And the more I hear from people, it's pretty hard um, that to go switch the way you play inside of the game. I, I, I thought... I don't want to get into specifics, but I was talking about a certain player and whether or not they could do something. And it was a style, you know, a unique style for them. And like, do you think this player could do such and such? And the answer I got from a coach in the NBA was, yeah, if he played for, you know, this team. And it was that that style matches the way that team plays. And so, yeah, he could do that, but it better be on that team. And I countered with, well, what happens if you just did that for 14 minutes a night coming off the bench? And they were like, you can't do that. You can't. And it was interesting. So then I started asking around, and I thought it was really interesting. Then in just kind of off-season conversations, I've asked that question to most of the NBA people I've talked to. Is, Can you really play, you know, two different styles? And the answer has generally been no. And if you start thinking about around the league, there actually aren't many teams the only thing that might be close is the fact that Miami plays that zone as a different style of defense than they do. But frankly, they run it a lot. So, you know, like if you think about Boston, they kind of play the same style with all their guys. And you think about Houston and they played a unique different style with all their guys. And the Lakers got a little different if Anthony Davis was at the five, mm-hmm. but they didn't get a lot different. They still played the same offensive and defensive styles inside of that. So I think that might be the answer is that as long as you're, you have Rudy, you probably should try to have your other 14 minutes of center be similar to Rudy to be able to play in that style. The only player in free agency, and he's not good at this, but he does kind of do it, is Alex Len had a year where he shot some um, threes, and he's a drop big. So you could stay the same way defensively and play a little more pick and pop or put him in the corners, but it's not great. Who are we signing in free agency, guys? I don't know the answer to that. Do you? Um, no, probably not. Um, but I want to know what you think. Or you do, so and you don't want to tell us. Um, so <laughs> let's say we do re-sign Clarkson, and it gives us enough room 
with the movement of Ed Davis, with the movement of Tony Bradley, with the drafting of the slipping. I mean, they just have done a bunch of subtle, some subtle, not so subtle moves to be able to basically open up a second possibility of a second free agent spot. Like the little, the little trade down four spots in the draft is going to turn, could turn out to be a really big thing. It keeps them out of the apron. Um, so if we signing a free agent, who, what's your best guess? Let's say we re-sign Clarkson at a, a reasonable number. Um, and I think it's a very complicated negotiation because you could play really big hardball at him and piss him off. At the same time, you don't want to overpay him. So it's a, that's a complicated, complicated game that they have to play. But let's say they get that done. Then what? What are you doing next? I assume that they could go get another big. Um, but I don't know that. I mean, I can't imagine they're going to go into the series with two, go into the season with two bigs, and I can't. I mean, really, you're going to play Ingles and uh, Bogdanovich together as your small lineup and have them be your bigs? It does feel as though the quest to get better defensively than you're adding, you're trying to add some sort of four and sliding Bogdanovich to the three some of the time, right? Like, you suddenly get really big if Boyan is your three and Royce or Joe are playing some of their minutes at a two with Donovan and Mike, you know, alternating at the one. You suddenly got big. We're going to leave it there, David. We have to go. We've got the uh, assistant Kansas basketball coach coming up to tell us about oh, cool. Doke and get the oh, load in. I will, be, I will be tuned in to 1280 The Zone and 97.5, <laughs> the sports zone. All right. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get something uh, with an orange flavor that PK recommends, and he'll probably uh, recommend whatever you recommend. So ultimately, can, can that I it's break? Build Bar, man. Build Bar. That's the way to go. Build Bar. Am uh, I allowed to toss to? Uh, I haven't done this in a long time. Can I toss to break? I'm yeah. really excited about this. As yeah. long as you acknowledge you're going to go back and listen to Jim Beheim at 1280thezone.com. Okay. All right. Here we go. Are we ready? Let's see if I still have it. Okay. All right. Coming up next, the Kansas assistant coach. Find out more about Azabuke. If you missed it earlier today, Elijah Hughes, head coach. Jim Beheim, the legendary Syracuse coach, was on. That's available at 1280thezone. Remember, Scotty and Hands coming up right after this and at 3 o'clock today. It's Jake and Gordon. It's all on 1280 The Zone, 97.5. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Kansas assistant basketball coach Norm Roberts. Coach, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? We are good. We are good. Uh, we wanted to have you on because, obviously, the Jazz just used the uh, 27th pick in the draft on Adoka Azubuike, who played for you at Kansas for four years. And I'm curious, we can all click on YouTube and watch highlights, and we probably saw him on ESPN a gazillion times playing, but you actually know him. What, what do you know about him because you know him that we can't possibly know? Well, he's a great, great kid. I, I think kid, but he's a great, great man and a great person. He's a kid that's really had to persevere. A lot of things went on in his life coming over here, not seeing his mom for eight years, his, his dad passing away when he was a young young man and those things. So he's had to deal with quite a bit. And and then going through some injuries that he had here that held him back and, and those things. But he stayed the course. He stayed the course. He worked as hard as any player we've ever had. Uh, he's been as effective as any big guy we've ever had here at Kansas. Uh, so we're just so happy for him. So he certainly is a big man with his height and his weight, but he has a 37-inch vertical. Uh, can you speak to his athleticism? Uh, it's ridiculous in that there were times 
that we can actually, and Coach Self would say this all the time to our players, throw the ball up anywhere near the basket. I don't care how high or whatever, and don't go get it. And you know what? He would. And he caught some lobs that were – he was the best lob catcher in the entire NCAA by far. If that ball is anywhere near the basket, he is going to go get it, be it for a rebound or for a lob. Um, The other thing that he did is he knew – he had done a couple of camps, and everybody talked about, well, how can he make the NBA? And all the people told him that, one, he had to be in the best shape of his life, and he had to show that he could run the floor, he had to show he could rebound out of his area, and he had to show that he can play defense in pick-and-roll defense and switch in those things. And that guy worked as hard as I've ever seen a guy work. He lost 30 pounds. He came back in great shape. He got it to the point that even us defensively, we could switch five. And he could go out there and guard a point guard at the end of the shot clock with 10 seconds left and keep him in front. And uh, that's why he was one of the best defensive uh, defensive players in the country, if not the best. A lot of players come into the NBA, and it's an adjustment having to come off the bench and not being the guy, and that's just part of the deal. But a lot of players come into the NBA and know that, well, if I get better, there will be a spot for me because so many guys can shift and you can play so many combination of guys, multiple positions and all that. But this could be a different deal where he's behind Rudy Gobert, so he's not going to win the starting job. How will he adjust to playing 15 minutes a night and probably not playing much more than that? I, I don't think that would bother him at all because even when he came here, it wasn't guaranteed that he was going to start and play a ton of minutes. I think he understands uh, uh, his role and what his role will be. I think the great thing is he's going to be able to learn from obviously Coach Snyder, but 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 from Booty. He's going to learn uh, from him and learn how to be a pro and learn how to uh, be effective in the game because him and Rudy are very similar as players in terms of, you know, how they'll defend. I think in terms of Rudy's not an outside three-point shooting guy, at least from what I've seen. He's more of a low-post guy and, and, and a face-up guy to attack. So he can, he can do a lot of the same things Rudy can do, and I think Rudy can teach him a lot of things that will make him better. So as a freshman – on a 40-minute basis, which is obviously the length of the college game, not the NBA. But anyway, he averaged, if you uh, string it out to 40, he averaged 8.7 fouls per 40 minutes. By his senior year, that drummer had dropped more than half to 3.4 numbers. Is that an indication of him understanding the game, or how do you explain that? I think think you hit it right on the head. I think him understanding the game, him also getting in unbelievable shape because a lot of those fouls happened because he wasn't in great shape and and then and then understanding how important it was to move his feet and and not leave the floor before other people do and and those things that he really really learned how to become a better defender he really did and 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 that was the whole thing that's the reason why he didn't play as many minutes early on it's because he was constantly not because we didn't want him out there it's because he constantly got in foul trouble. And, and we've got a big guy here this year, Dave McCormick, who's a really good player. And last year, Dave McCormick only played 15 minutes a game. And the reason was is because we didn't have to take Udoka out. He stayed out of foul trouble. And he was able to play more minutes and those things. So I think it's a combination of him getting in great shape, him learning the game. I think those two together really helped him. 
Kansas assistant coach Norm Roberts joining us to talk about the Jazz first-round draft pick at Okazabuike and uh, the 44% free-throw shooting kind of jumps out at people, and so does the fact that he only played about 60% of the games because of uh, multiple injuries, mostly as freshman and junior years. Uh, should either one of those things really bother Jazz fans? I don't, I, don't, I don't believe so at all because the two injuries he had were the freakish injuries you can possibly have happened to, you know, when he broke his, his I think, broke his hand or finger, whatever it was. But, but it, was, it was something that one, one time he's diving for a loose ball and he got his hand caught in a guy's shirt. And, and it was the freakish thing and it happened. And then the other time he was guarding defensively and got his hand caught. So it, it, it was something that, that was out of the blue. He wasn't a guy that, was, that had to miss games because of knick-knack injuries. He can play through pain, all that type of stuff. But those two injuries were kind of just kind of a freakish. And, and then his free throws, he, he actually got better, believe it or not. I know the percentages don't say that, but he actually got better. And, and, and it was one of those things where he is a tireless worker that way. He would get to practice 20 to 30 minutes before working on it. He'd stay after practice 20, 30 minutes after practice just shooting free throws. Working on it, working on it, working on it. When me and him did separate shooting away from the team, he'd work on it. So, and and I think he's he's going to get a lot better. He's going to get a lot better. But the one thing that happened is he's so when he gets that ball near the basket, he finishes so quick and so powerful, it doesn't give people time to foul. Lawrence, Kansas isn't exactly a huge metropolitan area, and relatively speaking, neither is Salt Lake City. I think it's important for guys to be able to fit into the community here, and they look for that. It's important to the Jazz, too. How do you think that will go? Uh, I think that'll be fine with him. He's a very quiet kid, not 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 very outgoing at all as far as you know, partying or anything like that. That's not him. He He's, uh, uh, he's family-orientated. <laughs> and that stuff. So he's a kid that'll be able to make adjustments. And and the one thing I've always found with kids from the African continent and those things, those kids make adjustments. They make adjustments really quick because they're away from their families for so long, living on their own. I mean, this is a kid who hadn't seen his mom in eight years until a couple of years ago. So so uh, he'll make the adjustment, and and the community will love him because he's got a big heart and and he's a really really good person. What do you think his ceiling is in the NBA? If he keeps improving, how good can he be before he maxes out? Uh, I think I think he can end up being a starter. I think he could, but it's got to be in the right situation. Uh, um, uh, I, but I do think he's going to be a guy that's going to be effective guy that helps people win a championship. I do think he having someone like him that can switch on ball screens, that can guard out during the perimeter, protect the basket. When those guys, you know, I know how much space is in the NBA game, but when they're getting downhill and and uh, those guys start to see where you can just throw the ball up and he'll go get it, uh, I think he can be really effective. One of the fun things with us is we watch every Jazz game. Obviously, they're the biggest show we've got in town. And so you see the numbers when they terms of block shots, and they post that, and you can look at that. But watching Gobert, you can see, you can almost read guys hit in their minds. They start to make a move, and they see Gobert. And not only does he not, he doesn't block the shot, but the shot isn't taken. 
because they realized this isn't going to end well for me. And it's fun to see so many guys look at Gobert and just say, nope, not doing it, back it out, pass it. How do you think your player will be able to do that here in terms of guys being looking at him and saying, nah, I don't want it because he's going to block the shot? Well, I think uh, obviously he's going to have to prove it on that level doing it, and and that's uh, but, but I think he will. And and the thing about him is he's gotten so much better with his timing, and he actually blocks shots better with his offhand, his left hand, and and that's uh, so so which then keeps him away from having contact a lot of times with guys. So so I, I think he's going to be able to do those same things. I know in our league. And, and, and obviously we, we play in a great league in the Big 12. I mean, teams would constantly say, good God, we can't even see the basket. We can't, this guy couldn't even see the basket to go score once he gets out there and big and moving his feet and comes over. So I think he'll be able to do some of the same things Rudy does. Well, Coach, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and uh, telling us what you know about Doak. Everybody here is excited for the start of the season, which really isn't that far away now. Exactly. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Kansas assistant coach Norm Roberts here to tell us about Adoke Azubuike and what he brings to Utah. So it sounds like a ferocious defensive presence. That'll now be 48 minutes a game. And that where the guy drives into the paint and there's that little glance like, yeah, I want none of this. And then he dribbles out the other side of the lane to the weak side. We'll be seeing more of that. Well, I just wonder when, though, because what do we heap on these guys? You know, you just look at Gobert. Now, he didn't play college, and the Big 12 is a great basketball league in and of itself, too. Uh, They have a lot of quality teams. In Kansas, if you look at them, they've had a lot of quality big men who have gone on and played in the NBA and made very good contributions, certainly. So is he the next one? How much time does he need? He's played all all this time. So I'm excited about him. But also, too, I want to temper because it is an adjustment, as we know. And if he was that good, and if this is bias, I hate, I'm, I don't, you don't even want to say it, but I'm going to say it. If he was that good, why didn't he go higher? Yeah. But that's stupid because Gobert didn't go higher. You know what I mean? So what, the, what does that mean? That's just a freaking number. I, I hate myself for even saying it. Pretend I didn't say that. DJ PK, when we come back, we'll get you up to speed on everything you missed in the show and your feedback. It's all on the way next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for your feedback. We kind of blew through the uh, wrap-up to the show, and we've covered a lot of ground today. I thought Jim Beheim was really good. Kansas assistant coach Norm Roberts uh, just joined us, and the two of them gave us perspective on the, the two guys the Jazz got on draft night. Um, Lincoln Kennedy came on to talk Raiders-Chiefs. Huge game Sunday night. Uh, Raiders can really throw themselves in the middle of everything by uh, sweeping the Chiefs. Uh, on the other hand, the Chiefs are the Super Bowl champs, and they may just slap them down and go to 9-1 and one and say, yeah, we're us and you're you. Congrats on that one you got. Well, on that one, I would think it would be like Seattle, or they didn't slap the Cardinals. Put them back in their my, place. In my mind, they're better than the Cardinals, and they beat them the second time. Yeah. Although the Cardinals losing to last night to Seattle by 7 that's not that bad. What's more inexcusable is losing to Detroit and losing to uh, Carolina. Yeah. And then uh, I am curious, in the long run, uh, how healthy are the Cardinals at quarterback? Because they kept working on Kyler Murray's shoulder there. And he got through the game, but it didn't look like he had the zip or threw deep balls the way he normally does. So 
curious about that down the road. Maybe in a week it'll all be fine, or maybe it's more than that, and it's going to impact the rest of the season. Speaking of curiosity, man, Taysom friggin' Hill. Hill. <laughs> Sunday morning, 11 a.m., Falcons and the Saints. It's the only morning game for the NFL. Uh, Fox has the doubleheader, CBS does not, and CBS, this will shock you, has the Broncos and the Dolphins in the afternoon. Uh, well, I'm so, going to pass on that one. Well, you got Green Bay Good playing move. at the same time, playing Indy on the second game of the Fox doubleheader. And plus, you have NFL tickets, uh, so you've got everything. I do, yeah. I'm going to make sure I go to early mass so I'm home to watch oh, Taysom geez. play. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> what? You know what. <laughs> You're really annoyed by that, weren't you? <laughs> Some things are hard to break, man. <laughs> I love his disgust. <laughs> Cracks me up. <laughs> like, you don't have to be in the same room, and you know exactly what he's doing. Uh, oh, man. I didn't expect that reaction, but I'm glad I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you are. I bet you are. I am here to keep you entertained. <laughs> Oh, shoot. But I'm excited now to see Taysom play. You're, I'm, I'm a little down on college football. You're way down on college football. Assuming we don't get surprised, and you were right last Friday and in the show, you said, we can still be surprised, and sure enough, we were. I guess if you know you're going to be surprised, you can't really be surprised. But let's not digress down that wormhole here. Uh, Utes and USC, are you going to enjoy this game for the sake of the yes. game? For the sake of yes. three yes. hours of entertainment or four? Yes. Good. Yes, no Good. problem. I will be watching college football all day tomorrow. I'll watch BYU slaughter or whoever the heck they're playing. And although I'm nervous to get around hands listening to those uh, promos. Yeah, right. Uh, about him. <laughs> He's a big dude. <laughs> Violently opposed uh, yes, to this game. My thought on this game is I'm not going to make judgments. All oh, the Utes, man, their defense just sucks. Or, oh, they're the greatest. Or That's my whole point is that – I'm not going to make these outrageous judgments. I mean, we judge every game in a normal season, and we the highs and lows of the games, I get caught up in it. I, I'm having a hard time getting caught up in it. It just uh, It's just not, in a sense, and fairness is a word I hate anyway because kids have cancer, and we're talking about fairness and all this stuff and all the stuff that goes on in the world. So there is no sense of fairness. There's breaks and bad breaks, basically, and – with one team playing two games, another team has just been running around now for months. It's just so funky. But I'm going to enjoy, actually enjoy the game. Yes. I mean, I haven't seen the Utes play in almost 11 months, and I enjoy watching the Utes play football. So, yes, there's no question. I'm going to go to the game. I'm going to enjoy it. But I'm just not going to just, oh, man, now they're tied with SC or they have a game up on SC in the loss column or this, whatever it might be. They can't be tied, but you know what I'm saying there. I'm just not judging the race and handicapping it. I mean, this is the first game of uh, the season, and next home game is senior night. And But I don't even know if the seniors are going to come back or what. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so screwy. But the actual game itself, for sure, yes, Good. I'm going to enjoy it. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, there is a level of um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Let's make up a word. There is a level of bogusosity that cannot be denied. Okay. You like bogusosity? Yeah. Uh, well, in terms but, of the race, it is. Yes. Right. But I think that uh, I've already been tolerating total weirdness and bogusosity and stuff that's happened in sports that would never happen. But at the end, 
if a lot of the uh, preconceptions that we had, the biases that we have built in, the predictions we make, if they come true, then we accept it as normal. There was nothing normal about this last season. Nobody, you never take a four-month break, then you don't come back in the middle of summer at a neutral site with no fans to play all the playoffs. It was the weirdest thing ever. But we always thought that the Lakers were, depending on who you were, you picked them as either the first, second, or third best team in the league. Nobody picked them lower than that. And since they won it, Yeah, it's fine. There's no asterisk. Now, baseball was weird, but again, the Dodgers and the Rays, they've been good for years. They got credibility. So we're not really putting an asterisk on that thing. But I don't see that's that's apples and oranges in my mind because I think that's that's how it's gonna play out though in college football. If it's USC and Oregon in the Pac twelve title game, and then if it's Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State in the playoff despite as yeah, weird and as much bogusosity, because you're right, they're shorthanded teams playing full-strength teams. We got the Utes have played zero games, while Tulane has now played ten games. And this is the weirdest thing ever. Yeah, and, and you didn't have that in the NBA and MLB. They all started and they all finished. Basically yeah, it was time, it was you know different I mean? kinds of weirdness. I get that. It's a different kind of weirdness. And if you want to go, it's even, it was, it's it was even doubling down on another level of weirdness. I'll go with that, but I still feel like at the end of the day, if it's Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Yeah, but that's over there, and that's always going to just look at who's Okay, but if it's USC and Oregon here. going to find it. Yeah. And, and if USC. Uh, yeah, but uh, see, I can argue, though, that that's even that, because SC has had two games, mm-hmm. and Utah yeah. hasn't had any. That doesn't seem level to me. Now, I, but if Brunfield runs for 135 yards or Wilmore or whoever it might be, I'll be excited because. That's a great sign because they need to find a big-time back to replace Moss because every time they've had success, and actually every time they haven't had success, they still have usually had a big-time back. So who's it going to be? So it's not a completely throwaway, but I just don't think it's level. And even if it's SC and the other guys, uh, Arizona, how, how do I know if they wouldn't have had a game under their belts, they wouldn't have been better last week? Because they're Arizona. Well, no, nah, that's not true, man. I mean, Gunnell's a nice quarterback. They've got a nice yeah. receiver. That's true. They do. I agree with that. The eyeball test, they passed that. The uh, offense did. All right, we got to get a little bit of feedback in here before we go. I mean, we've had way more guests than we normally do, do and it's throwing us off. Um, the question of the morning, do you feel guilty for enjoying Gordon Hayward's struggles with the Celtics? Now he's opting out. The Boston chapter is done. Locke thinks he's probably going to New York, Indiana, and Atlanta out there as other options, apparently. Uh, LJ tweets at us, not, period, one, period, bit, period. period. <laughs> I think LJ enjoyed the Celtic struggle. Sports vengeance, man. Vengeance as a whole is a great emotion. Yeah. Sports vengeance, too. He, he he forsook you, if that's even a word, and, and then uh, had that stupid internet letter. People don't forget, man. Michael says, as brutal as it was to see Gordon leaving the way he did, I'd love to have him back. I bet a part of him wishes he'd stayed. Michael, I guarantee you, you would win that bet. There is definitely a part of him that wishes he'd stayed. He's a good player, man. Let's not forget that. He's a good he's a Yeah, very the good debate player. is is he very good or is he great? The good part cannot be debated. Oh, I would love to have him on the Jazz. At what price? 
sure, yeah. It's worth going into my mentions to see the uh, the gifts that people have sent in about this. People have gotten very creative, very funny. Uh, there's a bunch of them in there. They don't translate on the radio. But if you're bored and you want to kill five minutes today, uh, you, you will undoubtedly laugh. People have gotten very creative. All right, we are out of time. We will see you Sunday night. There will be NBA free agents signing. There will be big NFL games played. Hopefully the youths will have played a game at that point. There'll be a lot for PK and I to talk about Sunday night on Talking Sports. And we'll see you then. And back here Monday morning, Hans and Scotty are coming up next on the Zone Sports Network.